Uh, something quite scary that uh, we're currently facing uh, here in uh, South Africa, human trafficking. Uh, just an update on uh, this as uh, we kind of uh, cover the story. Uh, more than 53% of the population is vulnerable to trafficking and the reality is that less than 1% of victims are ever rescued. This is according to anti-human trafficking non-profit organization A21. South Africa is known as a source, transit and destination country with an estimated 155,000 people enslaved. The beauty and uh, perception of economic prosperity lure people from all over Africa and Asia with the promise of a better life. As we continue with our human traffic feature today, we learn more about how perpetrators operate, the types of human trafficking that exist, and how victims are tracked down with international consultant and human trafficking and organized crime scholar at UNISA's Department of uh, Police. Police practice Marcel van der Vaart, who joins us now on the line uh, from uh, the U.S. In fact, a very, very good afternoon to you, Marcel, and thank you uh, for being with us here on the update at noon here on SFM. Hi, Flo. Good afternoon to you and the listeners. We're having a major problem, and it seems to kind of be more prevalent at the moment, and I'm not sure if it always was or that we're paying more attention to it when it comes to the issue of uh, human trafficking. Do you believe there is an increase um, in terms of human trafficking cases, or it's just that we're certainly covering it more? Um, so... I, I think the the latter explanation is is uh, most probably um, the most uh, plausible. And again, all of this is speculation mm. because there's no actual uh, reliable statistics. Not just in South Africa, but globally. You know, we we you know the, the very nature of the problem doesn't lend itself to be counted. Many victims don't self-identify. We know South Africa all the structural inequalities, the multiple layers of violence in South Africa, and we just failed to to identify this. But I think over the last five years, there's been an increasing, um, you know, conversation about human trafficking. People understand what it actually means. It's not as Hollywoodish as we used to think it is. And we, we, are, we are definitely beginning to identify it in those cases of finding its way into our courts. What's the most uh, common way, uh, you know, we kind of watch on the movies, you know, you see, um, you know, young girls being drugged up, for example, and, you know, being put in very bad conditions and forced to live in these bad conditions. But I'm sure there's uh, many ways of, and I hate the term recruitment because recruitment sounds like a good thing. Um, What are the various sort of and and most common recruitment methods? I'll tell you, last week I saw on... um, uh, it was on social media, a young girl at a Rustenburg school, incidentally a school that my little sister attended. Um, they tried to kidnap her from the school and uh, mm-hmm. she was brave enough to open the door and kind of throw herself out of the car. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. is this a, a common thing? You know, I, I, I certainly haven't seen a lot of that, but it is really scary, some of the stories that uh, I'm seeing lately. Mm-hmm. So Flo, obviously... Um, these different forms of trafficking, right? So I think sex trafficking has been the one mostly 
document that needs reasons for that. But we know there's forced labor. We know, I mean, I continue to testify in case I work with uh, case information intelligent agencies globally, really, but just in South Africa, um, the issue of illegal mining for argument's sake is something that we don't often speak about. Um, mm. One example is, uh, I mean, two years ago, I worked with an informer who was a trafficker himself, and he basically disclosed this because he just said his conscience is bothering him. And he was one of three taxis that left uh, Valcom every weekend, and they brought in approximately 45 Mozambican nationals mm. between the ages of 15 and 24. And they were, they were brutalized and exploited on the mines in, in Valcom. Uh, so that's labor, but, but absolutely these things do happen. And I think the unfortunate part is what I've picked up over the last 18 years. I used to be with the Hawks and the police yeah. investigating these cases. Many of these victims are actually being shown away from police stations. People try to open cases. Earlier this year, I were actually physically removed from a police, uh, from a police station and threatened, uh, trying to help a Google in, uh, in Attridgeville mm-hmm. to, to uh, report a, a trafficking person's case where that victim, well, she was never found, but disclosed to a grandmother that she was in the company of about 20 other women, many of them as young as 12 years old. And mm-hmm. that case took about a week to be responded to. So, so yes, the operations are happening. Uh, task teams are working, but a lot of these cases fall through the cracks. And, and, and who is really at risk, at most risk of becoming uh, a victim of, of, of human trafficking? Anybody flow. I mean, I'm going to use example. I mean, we always talk about, I always talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, right at the bottom, you've got a group of people, and we understand South Africa's structural inequalities. Many people's got physiological needs, food, shelter, etc. Mm-hmm. Right on top of that hierarchy, you've got the need for self-actualization. That might be where you and I fit in. Yeah. You know, people is looking for a better job prospect, etc. Over the last 18 years, some of my victims have been, amongst others, a psychologist, a social worker, the wife of a police official. So basically, anybody can become a victim and um, so it's, it's very dangerous to have these presuppositions in terms of well I won't become a victim it's only poor uneducated people um, and that's actually not the fact it's different predisposing vulnerabilities but all of us are on a continuum of vulnerability to fall prey to the uh, to trafficking yeah. and, and, and how do we fight this I suppose you know in your studies and in the, all the work that you've done over the years you must start to have uh, some sort of ideas in terms terms of what the best fighting methods uh, can be against uh, human trafficking uh, uh, between especially between countries because you know, I always wonder if you know when we talk legally in terms of uh, international law uh, the kind of agreements that uh, you know countries can have with each other to stop uh, the sort of thing from from happening you mentioned the fact that there were many girls from Malawi brought uh, into South Africa on a weekly basis and I just wonder about the kind of laws and international law and uh, conversations that country should really be having amongst uh, each other. So firstly, South Africa ratified the Palermo Protocol and thereby we commit to prevent the crime, to prosecute it and to protect the victims. And 
all of our neighbors basically ratified the, the same protocol. And along with that, uh, Flo, there's, a, there's a loads of international responsibilities, including you know, informal and formal agreements with our neighbors in terms of law enforcement, etc. And because this crime is so complex, because it often uh, transcends international borders, you need to have law enforcement agencies that do communicate with one, with one another. So that's from a law enforcement perspective. The other, the other argument is it's a systemic crime in South Africa, many countries around the world, um, and, and, it, and it requires a systemic response. There's so many conversations we are not having flow in South Africa. Yeah. One of it is that human trafficking is fundamentally enabled and perpetuated by the demand mm-hmm. for commercial mm-hmm. sex and forced labor. Why don't we clamp down on that demand, you know? Yeah. We, 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 we don't have uh, conversations about issues even as simple as, uh, you know, the, sub, the subjugation, the commodification of women and their bodies. We don't like to have those conversations. But some of this, and, and it always feeds into the greater demand. I always say, you know, if, if, um, if men didn't buy, uh, pimps and traffickers wouldn't sell. That's with exactly. regards to uh, sex trafficking. The other part is some of our churches, some of our conservative Afrikaans churches, mm-hmm. they employ workers that works the grounds. But, I mean, you've got people being paid far, far, far below minimum wages. So in that way, that might not necessarily be a trafficking victim, but we predispose people and we fundamentally exploit. And I think the last thing is, in terms of legislation, is we forget to use the, the, the definition of abuse of a position of vulnerability. What yeah. that means is when a person submits to exploitation because I really believe they have no reasonable alternative but to submit, that could be a trafficking case as well. So it's, it's a lot to unpack, Flo, really. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, this conversation and uh, really shedding some light on uh, what's really becoming quite a scary situation um, uh, that's being spoken about. And I see a lot of people on social media quite concerned about it. And I'm glad that uh, people are starting to realize that it is actually quite a big situation. Thank you for your time, sir. Hello. That's uh, Marcel van der Vaart, international consultant and human trafficking and organized crime scholar at uh, UNICEF's Department of Police Practice. You're speaking today uh, from the U.S.